As always, a huge thank you to Starboard, who are once again this season's main sponsors. Starboard has a history of innovation across water sports, starting in 1994 by revolutionising the design of windsurf boards. And they've brought that bang up to date recently, bringing foil windsurfing onto the Olympic stage with their IQ foil package. Starboard got behind stand-up paddleboarding in a huge way in the early days and continued to lead the industry to reduce their environmental impact. Their focus on innovation brought them seven world champions at the ICF Worlds last year, and all of them were using their Lima paddle range. They continue to improve and innovate their boards and their paddles for all abilities across all flavours of the sport, including adventure. And you can find out more about Starboard through their website, which is linked to in the show notes. Welcome to the SUPFM podcast with me, Simon Hutchinson. Every week, I chat with interesting people from the SUP world or to people who can help us, the paddlers of the SUP tribe, to improve and to maximise our own experiences and our love of both the sport and the water. Every episode is designed to inspire or to help you get a deeper immersion into the sport through my conversations with leading athletes, scientists, explorers, TED speakers and New York Times best-selling authors. And not forgetting some of the many insanely inspiring distance paddlers we've routinely had on the show. This is a bonus episode where we get to speak again with Brendan Prince, the founder of the charity Above Water, about his new event, SUP12. This is worth a listen, not only if you've been impressed by Brendan's single-minded focus on water safety and his SUP achievements on the water, but we also catch up and talk about new endurance events out there, including Last Paddler Standing in Florida and his new event, SUP12, which is arriving soon to a beautiful area of the UK. If you've already entered or are thinking of taking part in SUP12, then he takes you through some of the key rules and tips. And if you're considering using it as a preparation event, it's pretty unusual to get the chance to paddle for 12 hours straight in a fully supported coastal environment. So it's an unbelievably good value for money event, whichever way you look at it. At the time of recording, there are still places available. So if you're looking for a new challenge and you're wanting to push yourself to the limit, then this is a perfect opportunity for you. And if you're not able to take part or to watch, then there will be a stream available on the day of the race provided through the Sup Junkie Facebook page and brought to you by Sarah Thornley and myself and all links to the stream for the 1st of April and links to enter the race are in the show notes. Okay, let's get to this special bonus episode where I'm really excited to once again chat with the incredible Brendan Prince. Hi, Brendan. Welcome back to SUPFM. Hey, awesome. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Simon. Always a pleasure. Well, hopefully it is. I mean, it's your third appearance now. And, uh, and officially, if you've made your third appearance, then we have to legally adopt you. So you're, you're joining a, a crew, a select crew of Sarah Subjunkie Thornley and April Zilgs. I didn't mention that before the recording, but just, just so you know, you're now legally ad- adopted. Cool. And um, to introduce you, people in the sub world should know you very well by now, but 
you appeared in a couple of previous episodes. So episodes 58, which was just before you set out on your trip around Britain, and episode 80, where you had just returned from your trip around Britain. And in those episodes, we talk about your story, um, obviously the circumnavigation and some of your adventures. And also the water safety charity Above Water, which you founded following a tragic situation that you found yourself in, in the middle of a a beach in the UK. But this is a bonus episode and driven because there's a number of new format racing events which are starting to emerge in the SUP world on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, Back in December, there was Last Paddler Standing, which you took part in. And over here on Saturday, the 1st of April, We've got a brand new event down in your local water in the beautiful clear waters of Tor Bay, which is SUP 12. And the date for that is approaching very rapidly. So I wanted to talk about these new challenges, your experience competing, your event, obviously. But before we get to that, the world of Brendan Prince hasn't stopped since our last conversation. (laughs) I don't think we've talked on the show about your film and also the shower of awards and recognition which has been heading in your direction you know over the last sort of year or so and uh, various other adventures that you've been on so if you're happy we'll bring things up to date and then we'll talk a bit about the racing does that awesome. sound like a plan Fantastic. sounds like a great plan <laughs> excellent so let, let, let's take the film first of all so your film is Circumnavigate, directed and shot by Will Redaway, and it's been shown across the UK at a number of events since its release. And it's a stunning bit of filmmaking, absolutely spectacular, very moving, and you really feel like we're, we're there on the adventure with you. And uh, I know it took a huge amount of effort to put together, particularly Will, who, who spent a large proportion of the trip with you. So... Could you just talk a little bit about the film? And particularly, I'm interested in that first showing, because you must have seen it in advance. But what was it like to sit down there with a whole bunch of other people and (laughs) and watch it through for the first time? Well, yeah, thank you. There's some lovely comments you made in there. Um, So we'll put this film together and and he'd he's never put a feature film together. and, And I had no understanding of the work that's involved in that. And, you know. I, I just did the paddling bit. He's done all of this amazing work and he's put together, you know, for his first film, something quite amazing. And consequently it's, it's won lots of awards and is in the process of winning. I mean, I didn't realize that these sort of things take two or three years after the activity to really do the rounds and get out there. And so, yeah, I mean, to win the SUP award for, paddler you know north american paddling magazine you know that's just adds it really does add magnitude to it and, and gives great great further vision and and further coverage of of all the reason why i did it in the first place but yeah what you said about the first time i watched it it yeah it's it's a very weird thing watching something that someone has made about you with you in it uh, no doubt about it and I haven't watched it many times, so I mean, I've took, taken it around the country and I did a, you know, however many number of shows. I don't know, but I've only watched it two or three times fully, just because it's a bit cringy watching yourself, isn't it? A bit cringy. But, what, but what's lovely because the, the feature is an hour and a half, and 
for the festival. So all for the awards, you have to cut it down and the max is 40 minutes. So the festival version is 39 minutes. And, and Will's done such an amazing job of, you know, I can watch and, and think, well, what does he cut out? What, you know, because you don't feel like you've missed anything on the shorter one. But yeah, just really proud of his work. And, and it's, it, for me, it just really does catalogue it as well. So that's, that's a joyous thing that, you know, one day I'll be sitting down with grand, grandchildren and saying, Oi, come and watch this for the 10th time. <laughs> Absolutely. And as you say, it's beautiful. You know, it's very, very cinematic and it really shows off the incredible landscapes and the coastlines that you paddled on. I do hope that he hasn't cut out the uh, half a second of me and you paddling around near the needles just ahead of the uh, the closing credits because I've watched that more than a couple of times. I've got to confess, mostly yeah. to sort of point at myself and uh, point that out to my wife. But no, it's a fantastic film. And what what the plans in terms of a more general release? It's not available yet, is it? Yeah, it's not available. So we've got one more show, one more public show, which will be the last one in Torbay on the 13th of April. So there's still a few tickets available for that. And that will be a, a Q&A with myself and Will as well. And then we've got a, a, a private show, stroke public show, which is a bit of an exclusive for you because it will be on the the GBSEP series when it's in Cardiff. We're going to mm-hmm. show it after the Cardiff event. So that'll be really cool. And again, I'll be there for, for a Q&A on that. And then, and then it goes to what we're trying to sort out is how it generally releases. So there are different platforms that that can happen on. And it just means that anybody anywhere can get hold of it and watch it for a very small fee. Excellent. So if you're listening, Netflix, negotiations can start now. Possibly yeah, Discovery Net- Channel, Netflix, Discovery, Disney Plus. That's, that's, yeah. yeah, we're all trying to work out. Yeah, it's it's whole nine yards. It's a whole different ball game, all on that stuff. But it's just we just want to get it out there, and in doing that, you know what was lovely when it was with because it went round with the Ocean Film Festival. Is sometimes I, you know, in busy life, you didn't realise that it was being shown, let's say, in Edinburgh, and then all of a sudden you start getting all these messages that. 11 o'clock at night because these people have just watched it and that, uh, that's lovely that mm. really is lovely and it, and it spurs you on for the next day for sure amazing and you added a bit to your circumnavigation didn't you because you spent a bit of time in northern ireland paddling there just tell us about that yeah well obviously i did the mainland uk which was which was stunning and was the main focus but i always wanted to do northern ireland and the, the idea was to try and paddle across because that's the North Channel is something I will do for for sure, and uh, yeah, that, that you know I've always looked at that as a, as a, a nice crossing to do, but it didn't work out at all when I was at you know in that region when I was there because the weather was so bad. So I had to come back and do it, and I and I loved paddling Northern Ireland. It is fabulous bit of coastline. It is it has amazing people, and I've said this before, but it, it really is all the good bits that you have in the UK, the big beaches, the massive cliffs, the, the exposed paddling, the fast flow, mm. big standing ways, you know, all these amazing bits, wildlife galore, are all condensed into that 300 kilometers in Northern Ireland. They really are. So if you ever, you know, thinking, oh, wow, where can I go for a few days paddling? You know, don't write off Northern Ireland. It's a great place to go and paddle. Fabulous. And, I mentioned about the awards and so on. I noticed that the most recent award came direct from the Prime Minister with, with 
a handwritten note, no doubt, which is the the Points of Light Award. I mean, that's a pretty substantial piece of recognition. Yeah, do you know what? I, I with all the awards, and I'll tell you about one in a second that I, I had yesterday. They're all very special. They're all very special, and they, you know, whatever your political view is, to get something from your prime minister is is a lovely gesture, and it just means that. Certain people in in important places are realizing the work we do with the charity and the work we're doing because of the paddling and using stand up paddleboarding as this medium to 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 talk and and get people talking about water safety. You know, it, it has its purpose and is and is doing its job. It's doing its job. I just say, yesterday I went into a school and did some motivational talks and lots of water safety training. And this little year nine girl came up to me at the end of it and said, um, very well-spoken young, young lady, above her years by a long way. I certainly was nothing like that when I was at year nine, was that 13? And she just said, good people come into your life. And when good people come into your life, they're like butterflies come into your life. So I've made you this butterfly. And I kid you not, oh. I got it. And it just blew me away, blew me away. Oh. So, um, you know what? It's little things like that that motivate you for months to yeah. come and get, get you out on the board when it is as minging as it is out there today. Yeah, it, it's those little touches, isn't it, that, that really makes a difference. And, and in the Points of Light nomination, it said uh, it obviously pulled out your work uh, with water safety and said that you'd visited over 5,000 schools to give advice and education. The numbers are, are quite phenomenal and really is a massive testament to your passion, which obviously we know what drove that, but a fantastic achievement, Brendan. So on behalf of the SUP community, you've really planted the flag in terms of achievement on that. Well, that's very kind of you to say, but do you know what? Until we've got next to zero accidental drowning in this country it's not good enough and we need to do as much as we can because they're at their accidents and we can do something about this and and uh, you know i go into places and speak to children all around the country and and teachers and parents and and i'm blown away how amazing their knowledge is sometimes and i'm also blown away just how naive they are they know nothing mm. you know and that's the general that's the general and we don't realize that we need to know it until you need to know it. And that's, that's the thing with water safety happens at the, happens at the best times because you're on holiday, you're with your mates, you're having fun and all of a sudden something goes wrong and no one knows what to do. And it's not rocket science. That's the thing. It's not rocket science. So yeah, we, we keep flying the flag, keep doing it. Yeah. We've, We've obviously spoken since the podcast. We've been part of the RNLI working group around safety. And I think as we we start a new season and uh, there are still plenty of things to do in that area. And, you know, look forward to working with you on that, because, as you say, the messages, particularly for SUP safety, I think are fairly simple. We don't need to make it too complex. It's engaging with people who've joined the sport recently, who have bought their, their paddle boards from non-traditional water sports outlets, the, the, the supermarkets and the online retailers, who I think we really need to focus on in order to get those really basic messages across to. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and I, and on one hand, I absolutely love that because it gives access to our amazing waters for these for, for people. But of course, you know, that's where a lot of the problems are coming. And again, mm. those people don't need to know 
they don't think they need to know until it's it's kind of too late and yeah it's it's getting in to be able to because a lot of the channels we work in and talk in we're speaking to people that know all this it's getting into the channels where they really don't know it and then just helping them to understand we just want them to have the best time mm. uh, it's just convincing them they need to know it really <laughs> 100%. I think we need a communication strategy. And as I said, I think there's some fairly sort of targeted messages that we can put out there to to help people without getting on my soapbox too early. There are three major things which, which are sort of risk to life. We've got wind, so the offshore wind, the number of RNLI rescues from people not understanding that the risks of that were phenomenal all the way through the last season. You've got cold water, which is always a, a real killer in the summer. And of course, we've got water flow, which we know from leash snagging and weir incidents and all sorts. So anytime when there's water flowing quickly, there's a danger. There are other dangers as well. But in, in terms of the most immediate ones, I think, you know, that would be a good, good lump to start with, just simple messages to to, to identify these. And, and ultimately, that the difficulty about um, all of those is that the dangers are invisible. Unless you're actually out there and, and in it, you're not going to realise that there's a risk factor. So you'd stand there if you don't know, you know, you wouldn't recognise the, the risk. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. And then, you know, helping people to understand that if they use their paddleboard like a paddle beach toy, um, then and stay within 50 meters let's say of the coast it's a very different experience and than those that you know i i come across a lot because they're they want to adventure but they're never used to adventuring on a paddleboard they want to go around the corner mm. and the conditions when you go around a headland as you know you know are very different and they're they're the issues we have in the bay a lot mm-hmm. um it's those people who are right what can i do next on my paddleboard because i've seen and that and that's why this year my my paddling is all about adventure shuts up and showing as many people you know what it's like to go around the corner what it's like to go around the headland the difference that it is and all the points that you made about flow conditions water temperature you know bringing all that in is a big drive for this year on the board for me excellent right well let's move on to these endurance events obviously culminating with sub 12 but before we get to that it is a a new concept these ultra time-based events and uh, you were invited out to florida weren't you in december to take part in last paddler standing i watched a large proportion of it it was quite an event it felt like a season of netflix i know other people have sort of mentioned that as well but you really got to got to meet all of the the competitors and you know get to know a lot about some of the the presenters on there as well just just tell us a bit about that whole experience because because that was that was proper hardcore yeah i mean you go out there with an open mind of what it's going to be like and i suppose like any anybody who does their first event you know you go there to just lap it all up and work it out and and we were all there doing that exactly the exact thing really because you didn't really know, you know, I'm not used to paddling in Florida. Um, you know, and it, it's, you know, they've got their conditions that the way the winds kick in mid morning, you know, the way, just the way the light is, the way the heat is, the way that all the things that necessarily you're not used to in your own sort of environment. Great bunch of paddlers, great bunch of people supporting on a, on a really cool kind of lake 
to kind of picture it, it's a bit like having a, I don't know, where's a really big shopping center in this country? Thurrock. Um, right, Thurrock. Yeah, there's, there you go. So imagine having a massive lake next to Thurrock and you're paddling and the sun is, and you know, it's, it's 34 degrees, you know, so it's a lovely place with all this shopping going on next to you yeah. and things to see and watch. And there's a highway as well. And it's all very American. And there are alligators and there are, there are snakes and there are all things like that to kind of keep you on your toes. But at the same time, you're just trying to focus to paddle every hour. And those hours come around very quickly. They really do. So tell us about the format then. What, how did the format work? It was basically you start and then yeah, you, you all start to, standing. All start together and you just paddle your, your five, five and a bit K loop, which, you know, for me, I'd practiced, you know, for months beforehand and, and worked out for me that 43 minutes, if I did 43 minutes, it wasn't too much effort to do that 5k, 5.3k loop in, in that time, but also it wasn't too slow. So I had a little break and for the first 12 laps, I was literally within 10 seconds of 43 minutes every time. So I was really happy with that, but what it I'm used to paddling and not stopping. And those stops are brutal. They do things to you that you don't want them to. You think you're going to rest, but actually it's not, it's not very pleasant. And I know how different I'm going to do it next time. So completely mm. different because the rest is not always a good thing because you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not massively exerting yourself when you're paddling. So you've got kind of rest there. Saying that there are times of the day where the winds kick in where it's brutal, you know, proper in your mm. face winds, which then never seem to be on your back, the other side. And also little things that you just don't experience. I didn't really know, like the sun goes down. And for that kind of twilight hour, the mosquitoes are there. You know, you can't even see the water. It's so thick. You're paddling through them. And you're thinking, crikey, this is, they're going to be eaten alive. But I, I mean, I wasn't bitten once. So I don't know if there's some sort of special, or perhaps I was so stinky, but then they weren't, they weren't <laughs> interested. But then they all just disappear. You know, an hour, within an hour, 45 minutes, they're all gone. Um, mm. And you're left then to paddle in the night, which is, you know, Florida nights, very warm, warm breeze. As long as you're used to seeing the eyes mm. looking back at you in the water, you, yeah, you get used to that in the end. And you, wow. and you also, it spurs you along because you don't want to be at the back. You don't want to be the last one because I think the last one's the one that gets picked off by the alligator, isn't it? Oh, there so. you go. <laughs> so, so the format is on that one. So you, you'll start together. You've got an hour to do your circuit round and then you stop. And then at the start of the next hour, you head out again and you just keep on going until the last person gives up. So you, you, you gave it a pretty good wriggle on that, didn't you? I mean, I think you ended on, what was it, 19? Yeah, circuits. I did 19, which I was, I was, yeah, I was gutted about. I hadn't handled the heat well and it had come back to bite me on the ass. So I was disappointed. And that's what, definitely why I'm going back next year because I need to fulfill my potential. And, and that potential not necessarily is to win, but I know I can do 48 hours. I've done 48 hours before. So I want to do 48 hours in that mm. environment. And what's, what's lovely is obviously, the further you get into it, the, 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 the team work between everybody to, to spur each other on. And that was really shown at the end, obviously, where, where 
if Pablo had had to have done another lap, he would have had mm. to jump up the distance. And to do the next distance would be brutal, brutal. And it, and it shows that the event wouldn't last many more hours after 48. You know, in 10 years' time, we might have someone who does 50, 52, mm. 53 laps, but I can't imagine any more than that, really. I really no. can't. I mean, that, that was quite quite an event. So Paolo Marconi won 20 sorry 48 hours he finished in and John Nippers sort of just obviously gave up I think the 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 thing before but Paolo's competed on the on the tour John is a you know paddles around with his dog so it it was you know it's it it is a bit of a leveler isn't it it's all about the mind really and uh, and just keeping going and it obviously you know it's quite a sort of democratic type of of event there yeah and i mean kippers of just the focus that he had to keep going and both those guys were on inflatables you know so there's a big up there for inflatables in that environment where the water is so so calm and it, it I mean, didn't really get choppy just gets a bit wind brushed but you know there's there's a lot to be said for those guys because mm. half the field were were traveled quite a way to get there whether it be across America or across the Atlantic. So obviously ISAPs were, were the thing to do. I was very fortunate that SIC got me aboard over there. But yeah, I think we'll see just as many, if not more, ISAPs this year competing because people need a board to travel with. So that was, that was last year. That was December and a very, very unique event. And we're building towards our version in the UK. <laughs> As I mentioned, it's Saturday the 1st of April and it's organised by yourself in your local waters. So how would you describe 12 in terms of, of format? Well, it's I love to keep things simple. So all you've got to do is paddle a lap as many times as you can in 12 hours. It's that simple. What does that mean to some people? It might mean they get six laps done. They might mean they get 30 laps done. But I've made it so that you have to paddle the loop. And it's a pretty loop. It takes in the sort of corner of talky corner of Torbay. So it goes along the promenades. There's lots of places for people to be able to literally walk with you as you're, as you're racing. Then it goes out as though it's heading off towards Brixham and then comes back into Torquay. So, you know, occasionally we get little waves in that corner. And that would mean that you might be surfing in. But we're talking two or three foot max. It doesn't get any bigger than that at all. And 90% of the time it's flat, pan flat. But it does mean that every lap that you do, you have to come in. So you can either leave your board or just bring it up, but we'll have people there taking your boards from you to hold them for you. And then you have to run over the mat or walk over the mat and then go back onto the board. Now that 20 or 30 meter walk, you will walk by your rest station your area that you've set up so the temptation to go oh i just i just have a drink because you're not allowed to eat on the board at all i'll just have something to eat i'll just do you know and that one minute stop turns into a five minute stop and you add those over 12 hours yeah. and that's another couple of laps that you could have done so i want to play with people's mind and i want to see those people that are like no i'm i'm doing 10 laps before I have a break or think about food or, or not, or, and see how people do the whole stops. A bit like pit stops in a, in a Grand Prix. You know, you've got to be tactical. You've got to think about how you're going to do it to last the full 12 hours. 
I mean, it's a huge exercise. So obviously you've got the stops there, you've got the eating and the, the drinking. By the way, is Camelback's okay? Yes, you can take liquid with you, but no food. Right, okay. So it's an ultra distance race, could be part, you know, it's part time trial there. And there's a lot of strategic elements to it, particularly around the, the, the water, which you know so well. So starting at, at seven o'clock, the sun will be up by that time. And I think where it, when it finishes at seven, it will be just after sort of sunset or the sun will, will be setting. So there's all sorts of considerations. There's the, the wind direction. There, there's you going through the full cycle of, of tides in there. How tidal is it and how much will that affect things? Yeah, so as far as flow is concerned, there's very little flow. On a spring tide, there would be half a knot of flow at, at best. Mm. Um, but with neap tides, so you won't even feel any flow. But we, there will be a difference in the height of the, the tide. So it drops two, two and a half, three meters, which just exposes the beach, really. Um, but what, what we've got there, if, if the conditions are right, you'll, you will experience kind of the full circle of what can be created on our coastal environment on a day. So if it's a sunny day, you know, that would be a glorious morning and it'd be a glorious evening, but we're going to get some winds mm. in there at some stage. So you're going to need to, you know, on the, or, or, with the best of conditions, there's going to be a little bit of wind that we're either going to be paddling into or on your back. If there was a little bit of swell, you know, that would be fabulous to have a little ripple where people can actually surf that last sort of 50, 100 meters in would be, again, a great spectacle for us all to see. And with a sort of standard southwesterly, how do you encounter that on the course? I mean, it's pretty sheltered, yeah, so isn't it, our, down the Brixham side? Yeah, that's it. So that that comes across the bay, basically, and goes into our corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, you know, on a, on a strong uh, southwesterly, we'll get, we'll get some ripples. I mean, we've had that today and, you know, it's... It's just ripples. It's nothing more than that. It just and it stops any waves, which is really annoying. So, but anything else, anything from the north, just means that it's totally sheltered and it would be absolutely pan flat. Well, I, I warned you ahead of time that I've got a couple of zingers from uh, Sarah Sup Junkie <laughs> Thornley. Okay, so you, you ready and prepared for this? Okay, here okay. goes. Fasten your seatbelts. So, are you competing, Brendan, on in the sub twelve? Possibly. I want to, I'm training to, but when you, I mean, I've done lots, I've organized lots of events before and it's very rare that you can get it absolutely nailed with everybody doing the thing that you don't need to be present. And also there is an element of me that if I'm competing, I will miss all the engagement and stuff because we've got lots of other stuff going on there as well. So there's a big part of me that wants to race and do it, but there's also a huge part that says, don't be so ridiculous stay on land so what i might do is prior is do it and Mm -hmm. just sort of see how many laps i do and give that as a bit of a how many of you can beat it type thing but all depends on time (laughs) okay well this is a question from me which is uh, reflecting on last paddler standing what would you do differently training for this event so the, the with last paddle standing i trained for endurance so I was doing my, I, I, I kind of set it up for 12 hours so that I, I nonstop paddled for four hours, 20 minute break, 
non-stop paddle for four hours, 20 minute break. And I can t- keep doing that for, for the 16, so four, four sessions. Um, for last paddle standing, you can't really do that because you can't, because when you paddle for four hours, you get into a real routine and rhythm and you, you absolutely, but that break at 43 minutes, 45 minutes, however long it takes you to do mm. wreck wrecks that. So it's interval training. It really has to be interval training. And, and that's what I'm going to do for last paddler standing this time. And, and, and likewise for, for sub 12, I'm doing a lot more interval training. So we're up in the intensity and then it breaks every hour, you know, it's a different dynamics to adventure paddling where you're off paddling for days on end. I don't know whether you caught any of the episodes with April Zill, but she was quite interesting around heart rate training and just that low intensity spent just spending that time doing more and more time at that very low intensity which is almost at sort of conversational pace in order to sort of build up your reserves i would imagine that would be a sort of a fairly good approach as well to to yeah i do i do a lot of zone training heartbeat zone training Mm. to to sit in those areas because because otherwise when you're off on your own you know, suddenly the birds and what's happening and you, did you see that? And you suddenly slow it down. So mm. if you've got a watch keeping track of what zone you're in and keeping you in that zone, that, that actually is really important to your training. It focuses, focuses you to do that. This, this is my second uh, Sarah Sup Junkie question here. Second and final here. So would you say that um, Sup 12 is primarily a physical or a mental challenge? I think... To anyone who's never paddled 12 hours before, it's a physical challenge. Anyone who's paddled 12 hours before will realize that actually where the mind comes in. And the mind for this will be that focus of achieving the most amount of laps. You know, and we've put benchmarks in for people, you know, so to obviously do a lap an hour to get 12 laps in is a, is a gold standard. But can you get more than that can you get 16 in can you get 20 in you know the focus of trying to do two so 24 would be a big focus Mm. to achieve and that's where the mind comes in you know because we can all be motivated for the first two or three hours it's after that that the focus of the mind even though the body still will do you really want to do it do you do you want to push yourself there because you don't have to you know you can have that break if you Mm. want but of course, everyone else, what are they doing? And that's why it's so important that we've got the screens so everybody can see exactly how many laps everybody are on. Because the real key, I think, spectator aspect will be, and I hope this happens, that there are two or three people who have done, let's say, 24 laps when the hooter goes. And they're all on that lap. And whoever it is on that last lap, if they've done the same amount of laps, it turns into a race. And that final lap then is a total race. And whoever comes in first of those people who have done equal amount of laps is the, the sub to wild champion. Incredible. And I mean, there's so much strategy and tactics and obviously adaptations on the day as well, because inevitably, you know, as you said, conditions will change, particularly with the winds if it's, if it's nice and sunny. So we talked a bit about the, the rules around eating zones and rest zones. Are there any other rules that that competitors should be aware of. You have to, you only laid one board. So you have to choose your board wisely. And I think that in itself can be incredibly tactical because are you going for a slightly bigger board for more stability when you start to get tired later on? Are you going full on race board for the whole time? And then there are, there are, 
you know, lots of people who are just coming because they just want to give it a go because they want to do laps like this where we've got boats and lifeguards and people watching you and you know you're going to be safe and they want to just get out there and do it. And that's that for some is, is a great draw. You know, they have no mm. intention of winning, but they have every intention of trying to do 12 laps. And I love that. I love that people set themselves challenges within what we're trying to do. Absolutely. It's the skills and the stamina, but particularly around the skills. And we talked about this in our episodes as well. You can't get that without spending time on the water. And I can't think of any better value than 12 hours plus of entertainment, you know, fully shepherded by safety boats and so on, you know, just exposing yourself to different conditions. So, yeah, as you say, even if you're not not racing, you'll get a huge amount out of out of the event and obviously spend a lot of time with uh, like-minded people so so we talked about the that obviously great value for for 12 hours on on the water as a competitor what else would you get for your your entry fee so of course you've got all the safety stuff etc you've got your everyone gets a technical tee to wear um obviously to compete in but you obviously get to keep that everybody will get their specific medal to finish and that will be color coordinated for with how many laps you've done so like i say if you can get that gold standard of one lap an hour you'll get the gold medal and 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 upwards right up to the neptune medal and then at the end of the day you get we all go back to the rugby club because the rugby club is a seven iron from where we're competing and there's a pasty and a pint for everybody that's competed as well so you know it's it's I i want to create just a really inclusive environment for everybody to come and have a paddle and and for me as an adventure paddle this is something that most people don't see is that and you hit on it which was that that change of how our waters change from seven in the morning till seven at night is is a thing to see and experience as well as race and uh, and what's lovely greg who runs the last paddler standing event over in florida will give and this is this is first time anyone has heard this will give a free place to participate in last paddler standing in florida in december to the person who wins sub 12 wow that's fantastic what what a spectacular additional bonus prize there so sounds like this will be a great test it will be a great experience and a, a huge lot of fun and i'm i'm looking forward to joining you down there brendan with with sarah thornley on the stream where we'll be attempting to talk for 12 hours or at least sort of fairly close to it and it will give us the chance to tell the stories of people who are competing and effectively a 12-hour podcast so thanks Brenda for joining us and I'm really looking forward to seeing you at the start of April and the link to enter and the link to the stream are in the show notes of this episode and if you're not able to join us in person then please tune in and follow the stream as it goes out on Saturday the 1st of April 7am to 7pm Greenwich Mean Time. Thanks Brendan, thanks for your time, great to see you again and see you soon. Awesome Simon, always a pleasure to talk to you buddy, take care. 